Welcome to Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stack. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Junior Doctor's Corner. This is an interview that I did with Dr. Lauren Squires a few weeks ago, actually prior to the online sip and paint class that we hosted together. Well, I hosted and Lauren did most of the heavy lifting teaching the class. Thank you so much for those who joined us on the night. It was an absolute success. I must say, I had a lot of fun myself. I think a lot of our attendees had a lot of fun because we were tagged in many beautiful photos of their own artwork. And we managed to raise $200 for Doctors Health in Queensland. Basically, they provide a free hotline that you can call 24-7 if you need support, advice, help anonymously, regardless of whether you're a junior, senior, doctor, or medical student. There are also other similar services available in different states in Australia. So if you look up Doctors Health Advisory Service and then type in the name of your state, you should be able to find them. All right, I think that's enough from me. Let's get on to the episode. Hello, Dr. Lauren Squires. Thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctors Corner. You're very welcome. Now, for those of our listeners who haven't had the pleasure of getting to know you yet, can you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So I am currently a PGY2 junior doctor uh, based in Brisbane. I'm a former UQ graduate. So currently working as a rotational junior doctor. I've just finished a long stint on gen med and I'm just starting an ICU and today was my first day which was really exciting um, in my spare time I really enjoy painting so you mentioned that you're a junior doctor currently and also you love painting I understand that you also have a side hustle and it's somewhat medically related can you please share with us what it is Sure. So uh, during medical school, I started a bit of a medical illustration business. It's called Almost Anatomical because it sort of represents the fact that what I like to do, I try and keep it um, anatomically correct enough, but it's definitely not the average kind of medical illustration that you might think of. So I do lots of things that are really bright colours and things as well that sort of involve Uh, adding flowers or things like that onto the body. Um, I've even done an entire series of anatomy pieces that meld organs with fruit because why not? (laughs) That sounds so interesting. I think it's it's kind of um, important to keep the fun in medicine in some ways and for me that's definitely a way that I go about doing it. Okay, well, um, so can you please tell us what led you to come up with these beautiful anatomical artworks? Because I've seen your stuff on Instagram and it's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It really ironically came from a place of weakness, not of strength. So I came into medical school with no anatomy background 
and no physiology background whatsoever. I came from a really molecular background. I'd wanted to do research science and then ended up sort of having a bit of a change of career path and a change of heart. So I started doing anatomy colouring books. And then I thought, what's an even better way to sort of engage with the things that I'm trying to learn? So I started drawing my notes. And I think there's probably still somewhere around the, you know, UQ pages, a set of very uh, illustrated and very Harry Potter themed notes uh, Mm -hmm. that I, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, made. And I, so it started from a way to study. And then it sort of became just something that I really legitimately enjoyed doing. And I had a really supportive group of medical student friends and colleagues who encouraged me to pursue just sort of doing it for fun and just sort of trying to make the best, weirdest, brightest, most interesting little bit out there art pieces that I could. And I've been really, really lucky, I think, in the way that it's been received that people... um, really respond well to seeing anatomy in like a unicorn has vomited on a page. (laughs) Hardly. (laughs) Um, So can you please tell us how you then went from doing really creative pieces, you know, trying to help yourself study to then transforming it into a small business? Yeah, so I suppose I started sort of, I really started painting in earnest during maybe my second year of med school. And a couple of friends of mine suggested that I start an Etsy store. And medicine, particularly for all of your medical student listeners, they'll know it's super hard to try and hold down a job during medical school because you've got random rotations where you'll be sent to a different hospital or you'll be working weird hours, you know, you'll be on an ONG rotation and you'll have to be there in the middle of the night or something. And then you'll just have like exam periods where you don't have any time to work as well, even if you wanted to. So this was something that I thought, well, if I can do this as a bit of a side job, I can take on as much work as I feel that I have time for. Uh, It's something that's fun. It's something that I can do whilst watching or re-watching um, lectures because mm-hmm. a lot of content for medical school is online these days. Um, and it's something that I can do at 8 o'clock at night in my pyjamas, which, like, is there <laughs> any better part-time job than that? <laughs> Very nice. And do you have a favourite piece? Oh, that's really – it's like choosing your favourite child. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of favourites. There's a posterior back view of – that's like half a torso. So it's a torso. It's half skeleton, half um, muscles. Okay. And it's got some flowers on it. That's one of my absolute favourites. I have a skeleton version of Spider-Man hanging upside down that oh, makes yeah. me giggle every time I see him. Mm-hmm. And I have a rib cage made out of bananas. very nice I just I had this idea because I'd seen a I think it was some sort of um like functional imaging of a heart pumping and I thought wow that really looks like a strawberry cut in half which starts this idea of doing this like um fruit themed set and my husband bless him was like that's really weird no one wants to see fruit and like organs mixed together. I'm very glad to say he was wrong. And I feel like there's a bit of a, there's a sense of humor amongst doctors and amongst medical people that think 
a rib cage made out of bananas is hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. And so do you find that most of your clientele are people from the medical field? Definitely. Um, there's actually, there's a really strong, it's definitely not all doctors, um, allied health people. I, I feel in terms of definitely people who are willing to purchase more interesting artwork for their clinics, I think sometimes can tend to be people more in the private sector because I think they sometimes have the resources to do that. The public sector is really strapped and, you know, I would much rather that a public hospital hire another junior doctor than spend money on paintings, honestly. But the people that have that ability and they're trying to set themselves apart from the physio clinic down the road, you know, so I get a lot of work from people like that, but definitely I've done some um, pun-related things which, you know, I think you have to develop a slightly odd sense of humour to succeed in the medical area because it can just be a bit much sometimes. And I think that my work can sometimes tap into that um, slightly odd sense of humour. Absolutely. And so you went from, you know, doing this as a side hustle to help support yourself you know, through medical school and now you're a junior doctor, how are you finding it in terms of, I mean, I can see that from your Instagram account, you're still, you've still got the side hustle going. Um, how are you juggling all of this? Because it can be quite intense to be, you know, working long hours as a junior doctor. And then on top of that, having to do artwork for your clients. Yeah, I definitely, um, I used to do a lot more custom work and not really sell any prints and when I started uh, my intern year I fully automated my print service so things shipped directly from the printer out to people because a lot of the time as well it's people even if I sort of go no you know like I'm not um nothing's available for sale for a little while people which is absolutely lovely legitimately get a little bit disappointed so it's a way to kind of offer something for people with that's not very hands-on for myself And then anything custom that I do, I kind of just have to be very clear with people and say, look, I've got a really busy period coming up. If you can give me a clear idea of what you want, I'll be able to do it before this date or after this date. But in between, there's not a lot of scope. It's a priorities thing. And it's sort of, it's very much just about managing Mm. my abilities and other people's expectations. And sometimes I've just had to tell people that, you know, I'm not able to help Mm. them, which is really sad. And, you know, I I don't like disappointing people, but I also really like sleep. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And it is very important to have enough sleep because you need to be able to look after your patients by looking after yourself. I mean, on the whole, I find that it actually helps my balance. It helps me sometimes feel like I have something else that I do really enjoy that I definitely make a priority because I think if sometimes it's hard to prioritize our hobbies when we view them as only for fun. Mm -hmm. So if there's something more to it that you feel like you're getting out, like I've, I've met such a wonderful community of people through posting my work on Instagram and things like that and doctors and allied health people from all around the world. And I really appreciate and value that. So that's a good reason to kind of keep up with creating content to put up on there as a way that you keep engaging with the community. And 
it makes me make sure that I am painting at least every now and again because I think otherwise we're, it's really easy for things to fall by the wayside. But mm-hmm. that all said, I haven't been at the point in my career yet where I'm studying for exams and I can very much see that there will be periods where I'll just have to take a step back and do a minimal amount because just from what I've heard from my more senior colleagues about particular times in training, I'm not sure that, you know, it has to, this has to stay fun for mm. me and yep. it's not, yeah. Yeah, it, it has to be, uh, remain your source of stress relief rather than be a source of stress. Exactly, exactly. And there have definitely been moments like there was a, a time during this year where things just weren't working in terms of being able to mail things to people in an appropriate time frame. And I just decided I'm just going to take the store offline for a little while because it's causing me more stress than it's solving. And this isn't my primary form of income anymore. I, that's not the reason that I'm doing it anymore. So to save myself the stress, hmm. two months of not selling anything, and that's fine, you know. And do you have any tips for medical students or junior doctors who want to start, you know, creating anatomical art as their hobby or to aid with their studies? What general advice can you share and what basic supplies would you recommend to them? Yeah, in terms of basic advice, I think it's actually really important to remember you can do something just for fun as well. You don't have to be any good at it. So if you want to pick up a coloring book or sketch something out as a way to learn to do it, medicine doesn't give us a lot of space to fail a lot of the time. So as long as your drawing helps you, that's a success. doesn't really matter what it looks like in the end. But that said, if you're looking to do something for a more artistic point of view, the sad answer is that it's really just a lot of practice. Okay. Um, and I think I, I very much sort of taught myself from um, even starting out just sort of by tracing things and learning the shapes and how things fit in. One of the easiest things that you can do is to look for a reference picture try and find a picture that's actually an illustration and I'm more mean a line drawing rather than like an awesome Frank Netta illustration that's nearly looks like real life because it can make it a bit simpler to see the shapes to see the areas of highlight and low light to then transform that into your own drawing a little bit of the work of taking something 3D and making it 2D has been already done for you. In terms of basic supplies, it really depends what medium you'd like to work in. But for anyone who's interested in watercolour, which is what I predominantly do, one of the really important things that people might miss is actually the paper that you paint on. With watercolour paper, there's a special treatment applied to the paper that essentially makes the paint and the water sit on top for a little bit longer and it lets you do all of those really pretty mixing the colours together and adding water to make sort of, you know, splotches and things. So if you try and do watercolour work on not intent, not proper watercolour paper or even the cheap watercolour paper that you get from Kmart or whatever, it's going to be a lot more difficult and you'll probably become quite frustrated with it. Okay, so so definitely get the right kind of paper. Definitely get the right kind of paper. I think that's probably even more important. You know, there's 
there's a whole amount of things you can read on the internet. The kind of paint that you use is relatively important as well. The other one tip that I can offer to people is don't use a really hard eraser on watercolor paper. Use a really soft one. So if you can plan out your drawing on a piece of um, office paper, you know, whatever, back of an envelope that you've got lying around, do all of your sketching lines and then once you've got an outline that you're happy with, then transfer that design onto your watercolour paper so that you're making the least number of changes and erasings on that paper because the more that you mess up the surface, the higher chance there is of the paint not doing what you want it to do. Right. That's a good tip. So you did allude to, uh, you know, practice, practice, practice is what leads one to improving and getting better at their art skills. I'm just wondering if that was the case for yourself or did you already have some background in art? Like, did you ever take art classes when you were growing up? I very much grew up in a house where there were always art supplies around. Um, So I grew up drawing and painting. I don't think I was really ever any good, to be honest. And I possibly took an art class when I was quite younger but no it really was something that I developed as I was a little bit older I've always I've liked creative things but I was much more of a writer I think when I was a um, younger person but I think it's nice to sort of develop something a little bit older in life as well I think sometimes all of the hobbies we get when we're you know in high school or whatever and then you sort of keep holding on to those and it's nice to develop something new and something that sort of stretches your creative muscles Mm. in a way that I don't think we always let ourselves do it um the older that we get everything gets a little bit you know in the same way that like I didn't take art in high school because well you couldn't fit art and physics and biology and all of the other classes that I needed to you know fulfill my career aspirations um art was not you know on that pre-approved list So it's nice to kind of come back to it now and go, you know what, I'm doing this for fun and if I get good at it, awesome. If I don't, I'm still having fun and that's important and worthwhile in itself. So we're on to our last question and I have a feeling I might know maybe at least one of your answers, but can you please name one or two things that's keeping you sane in your crazy busy life right now? Don't think I get points for saying art. Um, (laughs) I think... Keeping active is definitely something that I'm trying to do, particularly this year where things are a little bit harder. Sometimes I've been turning to a fair amount of yoga because it definitely helps with all the stress headaches. And the other thing as well I think that's particularly relevant this year is trying to keep my life relatively organized and remove a bit of decision fatigue where I can. So I've recently instituted a rule of if I get home by a certain time, I have to exercise. Right. Like just that way it's not a like, oh, do I do I want to work out or do I want to go water the garden or whatever? It's like, no, if you get home before X amount of time, it can be five minutes of exercise, but you have to prioritize that. And I've tried to do that with my ongoing medical education as well, because part of the glory of resident life is not studying for exams. Yes. But I feel like I'm getting stupider by the day. (laughs) Because 
like the, literally there have been a couple of times where I'm like my med students are smarter than I am and that's probably a bit of a problem. So I have signed up to a couple of things that will give me sort of bite-sized amounts of study to do. That just means I'm ticking along, making sure I'm regularly doing a little bit, but I also don't have to sit down and go, right, what am I going to study today? What's an appropriate amount of time to do? It kind of just um, it comes to my email and I do it. And I learn, which is good. That is really great. I am probably going to steal a page from your playbook, especially with the one about if you get home by a certain time, you must fulfill (laughs) that, you know, exercise vow that you've made to yourself. By the time that you bother like putting on your exercise clothes and actually getting out there and doing something, you tend to do at least like 20 minutes. Because it's the the getting over the hump to actually start doing it. And then you're like, oh yeah, that was was a good decision. I feel better now. Before we finish up, can you please tell us how our listeners can find you, um, whether it's online or social media, so that they can admire and maybe even purchase some of your beautiful artwork? If you want to check out my stuff, so I have a website, which is www.almostanatomical.com. And I'm on Instagram at little underscore L squiz, which is the letter L-S-Q-U-I-Z. I will put those in the uh, website and show notes so that uh, my listeners can find you. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lauren. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode. 